When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is from the Illinois High School Football Coaches Association Virtual Clinic, which we held this past December. In this one, head football coach at Northern Illinois, Thomas Hammock, shares what he calls the dip, buying into the dip in the process, and it's something that's paid off for them as they went from 0-6 to 9-4 and a championship, as well as a bowl game appearance. Coach Hammock relates the dip in football to a dip in the stock market and how that's a time to invest. And he talks about their unique approach. The replays from all the state association clinics are available as part of the mega ticket. You can get this one at ihsfca.coachesclinic.com. It'll give you the replays from this clinic as well as access to all the other state clinics. Nine total, hundreds of talks, definitely worth your time. So here's Coach Hammock talking about buying into the dip. A couple of years ago, 2019, my first year as a head coach, you know, about midway through the season, I started talking to the team about, you know, buying the dip. And what I meant by that was, you know, at the time we were a senior laden team. Guys had a lot of success, but there was going to be a, pros- a process as I looked at the roster and things that we needed to improve upon to build our team the right way. And so I talked to him about the dip. In 2003 was one of the best times in Northern Illinois University. They beat Alabama, they beat Iowa State, they beat Maryland. 2007 was a downtime. Obviously, all of those guys that came in 2004, 2005, 2006 did not understand the process that it took to get to the level of where the program was in 2003. And so obviously 2007 was a dip. 2011, 2012, 2013 was great times uh, in the history of our program because from that 2017, they they embraced and understood what it took to get to the top. Obviously, when I took over the job in 2019, there was tremendous success earlier in the tenure. But by the time I took over the program, there was a lot of guys that didn't understand what it took to, to make this program a championship culture and operation. And so therefore, we talked about the dip. Buying the dip, it means obviously when, when the markets drop, it presents a great opportunity to buy stocks and perhaps to get more upside than you normally would as the market bounces back. You know, so when we talk about this concept, you know, obviously this relies on a strong U.S. market. In terms of football, okay, as programs talk about buying into the dip for us, Man, you know, we want to have a strong culture, and that started from within. So when you look at it, in 2019, my first year as a head coach, we was five, uh, five and seven, had a senior-laden team, a lot of seniors that, that played a, a tremendous amount of football. But as we went to look at the roster and, and manage the roster, we had two choices. 
Our two choices was one, to go into the portal uh, and grab a bunch of players that can immediately help our program, or two, was to go to high school route. Well, when I took over the job, I took over the job with, with every aspiration of being here for a long time and, and building the culture and the program for su- sustained success. And so we went the high school route. In 2020, we, we had the second youngest roster in college football. Obviously, you know, we were 0-6, but played some tightly contested ball games, some one-possession ball games. And, and really, what I expressed to my coaching staff was, if we continue to work and stay committed to our process, these young men will get better. The experience will help them. And not only did it help them, it, it turned them into champions. Obviously, this season we were nine and four with another opportunity on Friday to win another game. No, no team in the history of college football has, has went winless and transformed themselves to a 10-win team. So I think what a tremendous opportunity we have. And as you look at it, you know, when we talk about buying a dip. Obviously, this shows you a a brief outline of our history from 2015, 16, 17, 18. Obviously, there was success, but guys came into the program not understanding and embracing what it took to have that type of success. 20 was a down year, and then obviously, we are back on the upward trajectory. In order for growth, you must invest, and I think that's important. And there's a couple of things we talk about in this process that we have to invest in. Number one is the process. You don't go into it looking at the end result. You have to commit yourself to the process daily of what it takes to be great. And that's something that we talk about as a staff. That's something that we talk about as a team, that we have to make sure we follow these things, commit ourselves to the process. The other thing we must invest in is the culture. The culture is everything. As far as winning games with a mindset and a mentality, the culture. Going into the season, obviously last year we were 0-6. The last thing I wanted our team to think about was trying to get over the hump. When you talk about getting over the hump, there is obviously some inherent pressure that comes along with it. So we took a reverse perspective. We took the perspective that, hey, we at the top of the mountain and somebody else has to knock us out, knock us off. And so what we talked about all offseason was we are the best team in the MAC until proven otherwise. And that gave our, our players, that gave our coaches a, a, a tremendous amount of confidence that they can go into it. And as long as we do the things that we need to do and commit to the process, okay, we, we should have a chance. Then we want to invest in each other. You know, we spend a lot of time in our culture uh, building relationships with the players, coach the player with administration, because I think that that piece, when things get tough, when adversity strikes, there is a commitment to one another that we're going to do the things necessary to find a way to win ball games, And I think that's important and can't be missed. Investing in the process. So we talk about recruiting. One thing that we, we knew was going to happen is we got younger before we got better. And so when we went into a building it, obviously the portal was, is the quick answer, right? Everybody wants to go to the portal and grab guys. But what, what happens is you get into a cyclical mindset that every every year or every two years you have to keep attacking the portal to, to build your depth. We wanted to build the, the foundation of our team with high school players that we can develop. We are a developmental program. Uh, we take a lot of pride in our ability to develop. We take a lot of pride in our ability to evaluate. I spent five years in the National Football League and understand that evaluation is everything. So for the last two years, we have been the second youngest team in the country. 
And so we went from 0-6 to a championship team with basically the same team coming back from last year. Find kids who fit. Everything we talk about when we talk about investing in the process is finding guys that fit. That could be at different levels, right? If you're a high school, you have to find the guys in the hall that's going to buy into what you're telling them to do to, to be successful. In college, obviously, we want to find the right fit. We're not into the whole star recruiting. I can care less. I spent two different times in, in, in Power 5 opportunities. At one place, all we cared about was stars. At the other place, you know, all we cared about was finding the right type of kids in the program that, that's going to do the things that we need to do. But for us, finding guys that fit in our evaluations, when we talk to kids, just making sure we asking the right type of questions and they giving us the right type of feedback that gives us a good idea about who they are, what they're about, how they're going to respond, how they're going to grind. We talk about the hard way. The hard way is just not something we say. The hard way is in our DNA. And, and everything we try to do is build ourselves in a way where mentally and physically, we are at a point where we, we can dominate people in the fourth quarter. And that's how we build our football team. We value, obviously, high school players. We talked about that. And I think we will continue to value that. What's happening now in the recruiting process is there's so much supply and not enough demand. I mean, you got high school student athletes. You got guys in the portal. You got guys in junior college. You got all different avenues. But for us, it's always going to start with high school student athletes. And more, more importantly, it's going to start in our own state. Obviously, Illinois is important. I think this call has a bunch of different states, but for us, we feel like Illinois is an important part of building our roster, uh, guys that grew up in Illinois, 40% of our roster is from Illinois, and we feel like there's a, there's a tremendous amount of buy-in, there's a tremendous amount of respect for our program and how we do things, and the type of kids that we get normally understand that. Talk about recruiting. You know, we aren't, we aren't a, a mass offer operation. It's just not something I believe in. When I was a player here, I played for Coach Novak, and one thing about Coach Novak, you know him, if he had 25 scholarships, he probably was offering 25 kids. Obviously, we're not that tight with it, but I think there's a lot to be said about being able to build relationships with young men and their families to get a better gauge of how a young man is going to respond in your program. So, you know, every offer that is awarded to somebody comes from me, the head coach, and they, they are committable. And I think that's a big part of our process and how we recruit for kids to understand that if you get an offer from NIU, you can commit on the spot. So we make sure we take our time, we do our due diligence, we get to know the kid, make sure they check every box before we make an offer. To me, I can't build relationships with that many kids. I can build relationships with, you know, with 50 that we can get to know. And obviously we'll offer more than that. But you know, for us, I need to have a relationship because as we all know in this profession, assistant co coaches come and go. But as the head coach, I got to be the one to, to sign off on the kid because I'm responsible for the kids in our program. 2021, we offered 93 kids. Obviously, you know, we were able to get more information. Second year in the program, didn't feel like we needed to offer very many more kids to, to sign what we signed. And then this year, we offered 49 kids. We signed 13. Obviously, the whole COVID situation with the amount of kids that's still in your program has changed the dynamics for the next couple of years as far as not needing to sign a whole lot of kids. So we're going to be very selective in our process. We're going to make sure we attack the right things that, that can help fill in some of the holes in our roster. Big thing for us 
and our program is walk-ons. So we spend a lot of time recruiting walk-ons. I think, you know, that's a, a tremendous asset for us, something that I've been familiar with from my time at Wisconsin. I think we did a good job at Wisconsin recruiting walk-ons that became starters, that earned scholarships, and then take that a step further. You go to the National Football League, really, your team is made from undrafted free agents. And undrafted free agents is, is really the same as, as a walk-on. A guy that doesn't you know, have no guarantees, all they have a guarantee is to go out there and work and to practice and, and to give themselves an opportunity to make the team. And, and what you see is the best organizations in the National Football League does, do a great job with the undrafted free agents. Baltimore Ravens is one of the best in the NFL, and that's where I spent five years. So walk-ons are important to us, and, and we've had a lot of kids come in our program, earn scholarships, but they have a chip on their shoulder, right? They, they understand what the hard way is, and they take that to heart. We recruit them the same, just like scholarship players. And so for us, there's no difference. We don't treat them any different when they walk in our program. And then obviously with the, with the opportunity to play in four games, we have great flexibility in our ability to mix, mix and match guys on special teams with the four games and, and give guys an opportunity to show what they can do. Great talent in the state of Illinois. Obviously, we can't take everybody, but there's enough talent there for us to have the ability to get walk-ons, get them in the pipeline. And to me, the way I look at the walk-on situation, the walk-ons for us is like the portal. So those are the guys that are developing. We have the most information about. So I would much rather give a kid in our program a scholarship than to give somebody outside the program that I have less, less information about. Reward the kids who earn it. I think that's important. 16 guys on our current roster uh, were former walk-ons, and a lot of them are, are, are playing for us. So not only are they, you know, tremendous kids, they're tremendous workers and tremendous players that for whatever reason got overlooked in the recruiting process. Next part of the process for us is academics. To me, I was a two-time academic All-American. I feel like there's a direct correlation between how you attack the classroom and how you attack the football field. And so for us, investing in the process academically means the guys that are doing things right in the classroom normally are the guys that can help you play. You know, we, we all as coaches, we want to win. We, want, we understand that. But, you know, what I've, what I've found out in my 19, 20 years of coaching is normally the guys that don't take the academics seriously are, are the guys that don't end up being very good players. We hold kids accountable in the academic arena because that's important to me. If it was just about wins and losses, I would have certainly stayed in the National Football League. But you, you come back to college to have an opportunity to develop young men. And, you know, we got a great opportunity to help guys become better men, uh, better fathers, better husbands. But to do that, you need to get your degree. You know, obviously, we know football will end at some point. You, you go to college to get a degree. And I think, you know, obviously, that's getting missed on some people at this point in time because people think I can transfer or go on the portal. But the reason you go to college is obviously first and foremost to get your degree. And a lot of kids are going in the portal and not having an opportunity to go to another college paid for. And so uh, make sure that you advise them in the right way of, of how to handle themselves, how to make sure they, they ask them the right questions. Give them every resource to succeed. I think for us, this is all part of it. Uh, advisor meetings, tutor meetings, study tables class check, weekly reports. And the thing that is the most critical is obviously you can have all those things in the world, 
But if you don't hold them accountable, what does it mean? And so, you know, as the head coach, you know, my job is to hold, you know, my coaches accountable. In return, they're going to hold the players accountable because if you hold them accountable, normally you get what you emphasize. So looking at it from an academic standpoint, in the fall of 2018, I was not a part of NIU. The team GPA was 2.662. I came on board in the spring of 2019. And obviously academics has been, you know, a point of emphasis because I think that's the gateway to being successful in life is getting your degree. So we, we upped it up in the spring of 2019, 2.76. And that was really from holding them accountable. I mean, be where you're supposed to be, do what you're supposed to do, turn your work in, make sure you go to study tables, make sure you're getting the tools that you need. But we wanted to keep up in the ante. You know, when you look at great programs and teams that win championships, you look at Alabama, you look at Ohio State, you look at, you look at Clemson, all those programs, they have 3.2 type GPAs at their universities. And I think that's the correlation. What you do in the classroom affects what you do in the field. And if, if I can trust you in the classroom, I can certainly trust you in the field. In the spring of 2020, bumped it up to 3.07. The fall of 2020, obviously, was our best year, 3.114. And then the spring of 2021, 3.08. And I think, obviously, this semester, we should get the grades tomorrow. I think we got a tremendous chance to have a team G, uh, GPA of 3.2. And so, you know, we've been able to completely turn the program around. But, you know, turning the program around correlates to how we're doing in the classroom. And so that's the big thing that we talk to our kids about. Invest in the process, the weight room. So, you know, everything matters. We talk about the classroom, but now we, we transition to the weight room. To me, the strength coach is really the, the number one guy that, that touches the players the most. He helps build the culture from the head coach. And I think that guy needs to be in lockstep with the head coach as far as building a culture, making sure guys are doing what they need to do to develop in the weight room. We lifted and ran four times a week in the offseason. I think, you know, we wanted to build on that mentality that the harder you train, the harder it is to surrender. And so that was something that was stressed to me as a player. It was something I believed in. I, I think that when it gets tough and it gets hard, what you are in those moments normally dictates if you're going to have a chance to win or lose. So we, we made it extremely difficult. Ma maintain lifting throughout the season. So one thing in Baltimore that we really tried to emphasize, we wanted to be stronger at the end of the season than we were at the beginning of the season. And so that requires a tremendous schedule put forth by the players and, and tremendous buy-in to have the mentality that we are going to lift heavy. A lot of times what happens is you get into the season and then you start backing off in the weight room. And what happens, you start getting injuries you lose your level of physicality. So we wanted to continue to embrace the weight room. We had guys that were playing in games that were, you know, hitting PRs in the weight room over the course of the season. And we got stronger as the year went along, which helped us win games down the stretch. For us, we, we don't only develop the guys that, that's playing, we develop the younger guys. And we spend just as much time developing those guys because if an injury happens, we talk about the next man up. This year, we lost our number one running back, our number one wide receiver, and our number one safety. And so we were prepared for those setbacks because 
Our developmental program is top notch. Not only do we talk about the next man up, but we have to have the next man up ready. And all offseason, I talked to our team. I said, the strength of our team is going to be our depth. Obviously, our depth was tested, but we were prepared for that test with, with guys stepping up. Obviously, we have a nutrition center. That's part of the process. We have training tables. The biggest thing that we look for is weight loss. So we track and monitor how guys are eating, how much weight are they losing, because those things become important. Guys that used to make tackles in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, you know, six weeks in, seven weeks in, are falling off of those same type tackles because they lost 10 pounds, they lost 15 pounds. Keeping an eye on their weight, checking their weight constantly, making sure they are aware that the weight really gives them a chance to be successful on the football field. Complementary football. So now we're talking scheme, okay? So I, I, I believe in, in complementary football. You know, no team is perfect, right? There, there's strength, there's weaknesses. But the more you can, you know, maximize your strength and minimize your weaknesses, the better opportunity you have to win. And so that's something that we talk about. We have, we have game management meetings, something I took from the NFL. How can we properly put people in position to be successful? And so all three phases, we want to be complementary in fashion. So as you look at it, on offense, we, we average 33 minutes of time of possession. I think that's top 10 in the country. Obviously, that, that keeps your defense off the field. But our ability to run the football really made the difference in us going from 0-6 to 9-4. and 4. Because obviously, if you have the ability to run the ball, it makes you good in situational football, short yardage situations, fourth down. I think we, we had the number one fourth down conversion percentage in the country. I think we were 22 of 26, which, you know, going for those fourth downs gave us an opportunity to stay on the field, gave us an opportunity to continue to be aggressive, gave us an opportunity to score points. And so last week in the championship game against Kent, we had a fourth and five. The first drive of the game, we went for it. And we knew what type of game it was. We knew how explosive Kent State's offense was, we had to do our job offensively to stay on the field. So we talked about it in our game plan uh, management meeting where we wanted to be aggressive. The, the coaches understood what, what areas of the field we were going to go for it. They told me the calls ahead of time. I liked the calls. And that aggressiveness allowed us to win a championship. Situational football. So we won seven games by one possession. Okay. And, and I know a lot of people say you guys had the second youngest team in college football. How, do you, how did you do that? I think we won four games by five points. So we won three games by one, one point and another game by two points. And so to me, it takes a, a tremendous amount of focus, attention to detail to win one possession ball game. So we started the season off. We beat Georgia Tech by one. A couple of weeks later, we beat Toledo by two. A couple of weeks later, we beat uh, Central Michigan by one. The following week, we beat Ball State by one point. And so, you know, with a young football team, they gain confidence, they're able to earn a competitive maturity from our offseason program and to carry it over into the season. A couple of ways that we were able to do it. Obviously, I'm a big advocate of, of analytics. I think the game has changed. It will continue to change. Sometimes, you know, analytics work in your favor and sometimes they work against you. But what you have to buy into is taking the emotion out of the decision-making process. When you talk about it ahead of time, you strategize, you're able to have your calls, 
have your situations already practiced. That gives us a great chance to have confidence to make plays in those situations. We're able to better prepare our players uh, and our coaches for every situation because they already understand how aggressive we're going to be. We talked about it in training camp. We work on those situations weekly in our Friday walkthrough. Okay, you know, fourth and one from the minus 27 or, or fourth and two from the minus 35. What's the call? This is the call. This is what we need to do to execute. Two-point plays, right? We want to be aggressive to go win games and, and so forth. We practice them. We have a situation script that we do every week. And I think that's one of the biggest things of getting guys to have the ability to play well in those moments is you practice those moments. Uh, and a lot of times what we do is we take situations from NFL games, we take situations from other college games, and we want to make sure we always have a call. You know, I, I was looking at a game the other day, I think it was Tampa Bay and the Buffalo Bills, and Buffalo had came all the way back. Uh, they was in a fourth and two situation at the end of the fourth quarter. To me, in my opinion, I think that would be a, a situation where you go for it on fourth down because that gives you the best chance to win. They kicked the field goal, went to overtime, got the ball first, went three and out. And obviously, you know, when Tom Brady is on the other side, you know, your chances of winning are slim. So those are the type of scenarios that we look at uh, and try to incorporate into our teaching. You got to love it. I think for us, we talk to our players all the time about, you know, football is hard, but you have to love what you do. And I think our players have truly em embraced that, embraced that mentality, embraced that mantra. You know, every day coming with a, with a great attitude, a positive attitude that you love what you're doing because you could be doing something else. And a lot of people are doing other things. So love what you do. And, and obviously that you, you'll be able to put your best foot forward. Great stuff there from Coach Hammock. It's easy to see how his leadership has helped NIU get to the top and work through the process. Again, you can get this one at IHSFCA coachesclinic.com part of the mega ticket which gives you access to nine clinics hundreds of talks you can get access for 30 days up to a year the link to the mega ticket is in the show notes follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on twitter at coach k grabowski